Welcome back to Autolux Autopod. I'm your host, Everett J, and this week we're looking at the brand new mid-engine 2020 C8 Chevrolet Corvette and why Chevrolet has now finally made this thing a mid-engine drive. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Now, as I said before, I am your host, Everett J of the brand new Autolux Autopod. Follow us via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, SoundCloud. We are there. We have our channel on our website at www.autolux.net. Go over to our Autopod page and you may follow us there. Or check in LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google+, or hell, occasionally our Instagram following. Now, as we said before, we're going to be looking at the brand new 2020 Chevrolet Corvette and why Chevrolet finally has made this thing a mid-engine layout. Now, for years, ever since the original Corvette graced our shores back in the 50s, it has always been a front-drive vehicle. It has been made to compete against products from, well, the European Union. Things like the MGs back in the day. People went over there during the World War, and they saw these Jaguars, these Morris garages, hell, even some old Fiats, Alfa Romeos, Maseratis, Ferraris, and they wanted those roadsters back in North America. Now, we already had big convertibles. Hell, the 50s. Chevrolet Bel Air was an amazing car. It was. But it wasn't a roadster. It was a big block convertible. And as we all know today, those amazing convertibles from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s have come out to being some of the best vehicles within the lowrider world. Rolling down the street in my 6.5. This is what Easy e said about his 65 Impala. Now, he wouldn't be saying that about rolling down the street in my 58 Corvette, would he? No. Because you gotta do it with something that's a lowrider. And the Chevrolet Corvette wasn't that. It went after the roadster market went after something more something greater something that no other north american counterpart has ever done the dodge viper came close the ford thunderbird well let's just say a bit in the 50s it tried but when it hit its heyday it never truly competed against the corvette the viper did but it was completely different genre it ran in the v10 cycle which put it more into the gt and gts category but a little bit higher up that v10 made it worthy of supercar era well the chevrolet corvette started in the standard roadster platform no it didn't start competing against the mazda miata but it did compete against many other roadsters from many other places held they competed against jaguar xj of the 1980s and 1990s that was a roadster chevrolet corvette competed against that but by the end of the 90s the corvette was competing against the likes of the nissan 350z the bmw m3 hell even the toyota supra became a competitor towards it the corvette hit every mark on its dial. It competed against cars from the base model 370Z all the way up to a top and ACR Dodge Viper in every genre in between. But today, Chevrolet is going one step ahead and pushing this vehicle further into the future and making it something that has been around for a very long time. Now that's something we should probably look at. How long has Chevrolet actually been looking at a mid-engine Corvette? I remember back in the late 80s and early 90s seeing the Aerovet and the Indy concepts. Okay. I remember seeing an Aerovet in one of my original classic car books that my dad bought me when, God, I think I was only about eight or nine years old. So we're talking, you know, decades ago. That Aerovet was in it. That was an amazing car. I 
saw it and I said, no, that's not a Corvette. And then I read a little bit further into it and I'm like, oh, it's a mid-engine Corvette. Cool, I want this thing. And then I found out it's a concept. And then years down the road, I saw the Indy. Indy was cool. It kind of pushed the envelope and said, hey, maybe Chevrolet is finally going to do this. Finally. And I never really thought about back then. But what I didn't know is that Chevrolet had actually worked on a mid-engine Corvette since the 60s. They originally started out with a prototype called the Serve 1. Now, if you don't know what Serve means, it's not like, you know, you've been served. Serve, C-E-R-V, stands for Chevrolet Engineering Research Vehicle. Now, the original Serve 1 wasn't meant to replace the Corvette. It was just a title vehicle for their IndyCar program. It was a single-seat IndyCar program with no production mindset whatsoever. It was made to test the waters of being in IndyCar. That's it. Prototype, experimental vehicle, that's it. Now, we move into 1964, and Chevrolet gets a little bit further into their game. They start looking at it and saying, hey, what would happen if we actually put this thing and made it a mid-engine car? Because by this time, in the late 60s, well, mid to late 60s, you start getting things like the Lamborghini Miura coming out. You know, the car that basically set the supercar stage for the future. People might debate with me and say that, you know, the original Mercedes 300 SL kind of pushed the envelope into supercar territory with its power. But supercars, as we knew it, started with mid-engine rear-wheel drive layouts. And that Lamborghini Miura in the 60s pushed that envelope. They pushed Ferrari into the next mindset. They pushed Chevrolet into the mid-engine mindset. In 1964, they created the Surf 2. Now, this was supposed to be something that they were going to utilize to go up against the Ford GT race car. As you remember, the movie that comes out about Ford versus Ferrari. Carroll Shelby helped build the Ford GT to go up against Ferrari to take them down, to bring them down from their high standing point of Le Mans touring. And who better to do it than Carroll Shelby? And Chevrolet wanted a piece of this action. And during all of these days, Chevrolet Dodge, nobody else has gone after the Ford GT's market. Yes, we all know Dodge Viper and Chevrolet Corvette had competed in Le Mans circuits against each other and Ford GT has never been there. But both of them were front engine production vehicles. Corvette was supposed to be mid-engine. Now what killed this thing is GM's accountants. They just said, it's just way too damn expensive. We don't want to push this thing through. We don't want to go up against the Ford GT. Yeah, we know it won Le Mans, but uh, it's way too expensive for us. And that's one of those problems is this, you know, it's usually engineers, accountants, some of those mindsets start getting into it and looking at the numbers and say, no, we can't do this. But the people behind it see the market and say, the market is going to make us money. We don't care that you think it's not going to make us money. The market is going to state it. But without substantial proof, they can't back that up. They can't push these people and say, hey, we're going to make it. So move forward to the XB880 or the Astro 2 of 1968. And they try it again. Again, they get shot down. Say it's too expensive. Now, this is the one a lot of people have actually seen. Back in 1970, the XP882. They move it from the V8 technology into the Wankel engine. It's supposed to be on the V8, but it was supposed to be changed over to a Wankel last minute. And then you move into 72 with the XP895. Front engine sold way too well compared to this Wankel engine, mid-engine rear-wheel drive vehicle. Now, if you're making tons of money at these front engine vehicles in the 70s, why the hell would you change it over to a mid-engine layout and change it from a big block V8 down to this freaking little Wankel engine? Like, we all know where Wankels wound up. Mazda is the only one that's ever made money off of it. We get it. NSU did make some production-worthy products off of it, and General Motors has played with the idea, but they've never actually pushed the envelope to create and build this thing into what it is. Only Mazda has actually done that. So they pulled the plug on it, and we started moving up to 73. We get into the XP897 GT. Bam! About to be hit. About to be pushed through. Everybody says, we can do this. We can create another variation of the Corvette. Yes, we know the front engine sells too well, but let me just give it a brother. A mid-engine layout brother. And see which one goes from there. But boom! 1973. Oil gas crisis hits. And where does it go from there? This oil crisis puts a hole 
halt on everybody. Kind of like how the financial crisis of 2008 brought an end to so many great car companies and so many great models that were about to come out. Hell, it pushed back the delivery date of the Jeep Gladiator. Along with it, it pushed back the delivery date of the mid-engine Corvette. We're going to get a little further into that. Now, 73, the four-rotor vet didn't work well. They tried to bring it down. They tried to make it viable. They tried to change it so it would actually get better gas mileage. But they kept having issues with it. And so they kept playing around with the idea. Now remember, we're all the way up to 1973. Now we're moving into 1976 and the Corvette, mid-engine Corvette that everybody had seen, the Aerovet. GM backed out of this due to change. Too much of a change for the Corvette. The Corvette is an amazing product in its front-engine layout. Now remember the 70s, 1976, that fiberglass, weird-looking, streamlined design that moved into the C5, C6, and C7 Corvette variations hadn't been created yet. We were still with this amazing Stingray. You know, that poster that was on everybody's wall. The bright orange Corvette. Corvette. Sorry about that. That was on everybody's wall. That's what they wanted. They wanted that bet. Why would we change it? Well, as a head of General Motors, I would say the same thing. Why would I change it? Why would I take this thing and change it? That's why the Aerovet wasn't created. They didn't want to do it because of change. They didn't want to change the image. They didn't want to change the product. And because the gas crisis had put a crunch on everybody with these big block engines, why change a good product at a time when we're already having issues trying to push our big boat of a vehicle is a big block that burn tons of gas. No, we gotta start putting money into energy efficient vehicles so we can get our bottom end up. We can get people from the bottom end still buying our cars. Something that FCA has not learned with Chrysler and Dodge yet. But they soon will when we start hitting what's soon to be called the energy crisis. Yes, it's coming. Now, those are the 1976. This whole project seemed to have disappeared for a decade. And then all of a sudden, another division of General Motors started working on a product called the Oldsmobile Aerotech. The future of Le Mans. The future indie cars. Fully enclosed racing cars. Oldsmobile Aerotech was it. You have that layout. Somebody comes back and says, we tried that concept once with a Corvette. A mid-engine rear-wheel drive layout. Oldsmobile has created this prototype for an Aerotech. And they went through a couple of them. Why don't we just use that and create the basis for a new mid-engine Corvette layout. We'll see if we can get the public's opinion on this thing about changing the Corvette. Now remember in the 80s, brand new Streamlight design came out. The one that moved from the 80s into the 90s, into the 2000s, all the way up until 2019. We're into 2020, remember that. 2019 model year, last year, front engine layout. And that same design had moved through the previous generations. And in 86, they wanted to make the Indian to this. But unfortunately, all of the materials that they used to build this prototype, fiber, Kevlar, everything, way too expensive. You gotta remember, this is 1986. Carbon fiber isn't as cheap as it is today. Carbon fiber today is utilized. Look at the 4GT. It has a tub built of carbon fiber in Milton, Ontario. If you don't know where that is, it's essentially just outside of Toronto. Well, it is Toronto, Canada, but it's built in Milton, Ontario. Now we're starting to move four years into the future. 1990. Let's go back to basics. Let's go back to where we started. The Surf 3 prototype comes out. And yet again, the Surf 3, just like the Indy, is an amazing car. It breaks the envelope. It shows what the future can be for the mid-engine Corvette layout. But unfortunately, the cost of carbon fiber to produce Produce this product in 1990 were too substantial to change the model over. And they never have thought of playing with fiberglass as they do with the original Corvette. So they left the project. And that was 1990. Fast forward all the way into the financial crisis of 2008. Pontiac disappeared. Hummer disappears. Saturn disappears. Oldsmobile's dead. Saab gets killed off. They're all dying. They're all dying. And along comes this amazing product 
from the guy who created a way and pay for products online through a system called PayPal. An amazing visionary of the future, Mr. Elon Musk, as he took over a project created by a couple other innovators, formed an alliance, pushed his product further to prove to the world we can run cars on electricity. And hello, the Tesla Roadster was born. Now it's a battery pack. It's not front engine. It's not rear engine. It's not mid engine. It's wherever you want to put the engine layout. It changes the future. Chevrolet says Corvette's been front engine for years, but we've always played around with the idea of a mid engine because we want to compete against every genre in the marketplace. Something that Ford didn't do with the Thunderbird in any generation. Something that Dodge never did even in its third generation when it was completely rebuilt from the ground up the corvette's been around they have beat their competition into submission they've created a cult following with the corvette brand name and all this time they've never once had a bow tie on the car so it's a standalone product everybody starts saying you can't change it to mid-engine layout it changes the whole image of the product but the product is a vision of itself it doesn't belong to chevrolet it belongs to corvette it belongs to the image of Corvette. Corvette can be anything it creates and wants to be. We all know it as a sports car that goes from the bottom end to the mid-range of a high end. It's the car that goes from the $40,000 market to the nearly $200,000 market, depending on what aspects you add to it. So a couple of the board members step in and say, let's push this. Let's see where we can get with this thing. Let's see if we can get the price down for this mid-engine Corvette so we can still sell it at a front-engine pricing. They start pushing the envelope. Why? Because they know they're competition isn't just going to be a Dodge Viper. It isn't going to be a 360 Modena from Ferrari. It's not going to be an F-Type from Jaguar. They know the future. Their fight's going to be with products in the same line as Rymac. Tesla, tech rules, want to. It's going to be competing against these green hypersport hypercars, hybrid supercars, hybrid touring cars. It's going to be the green marketplace. And these guys know this long before any of us do. Well, most of us. And they say to themselves, we need to do something about this. The front engine layout, we can't compete against these green racing cars because they can put their engine wherever they need to create perfect balance to beat us on the track. They can boost the battery power to create more power to the wheels because a battery has less to move that power along its system to the wheels. So whatever the battery power creates, there is less of a loss between its power source and the wheels. So you you can't say it's 500 horsepower, but it's only 425 wheel horsepower. Tesla says it's 500 horsepower. It could be 495 wheel horsepower. They're closer to the mark. And the board members of General Motors started to see the writing on the wall and started saying to themselves, the future is going to be these hybrid electric layouts. The Ferrari's doing it. McLaren is looking into it. Coingseg is doing this. We want to compete against those genre of vehicles with the Corvette brand. We're going to have to. And remember what I said. Corvette isn't Chevrolet. Chevrolet Corvette, with a bow tie attached to it, kind of like how the Mustang has a Ford emblem on it, would make it so that it, it can only evolve like its parent company. But unfortunately, Corvette doesn't have to evolve like Chevrolet. Whereas Chevrolet is trying to create products like the Bolt and the Volt and still push products like the Blazer the Silverado, the Cruze. The Corvette doesn't have to do that. It doesn't have to blend with the mold. It doesn't have to run with the crowd that Chevrolet has created for this product line. No, they can make their own. So they change the Corvette. They push the envelope and they create this thing, a mid-engine layout. Why? Because they now know Ferrari's creating a mid-engine car in the GT title. McLaren's looking at it. Lamborghini's looking at it. Lotus is now looking at it. Everybody's looking at it. They want the Corvette to compete against these people. They're going to have to run with the crowd. They're going to have to get into 
to the new green Grand Touring Grand Touring Sport Marketplace. And that's what they do. With the release of the 2020 C8 Corvette, you can now start it at the bottom end of dollars to $60,000 and move into a $200,000. You can move for the first time ever. The brand new 2020 C8 Corvette becomes the only one that is interchangeable between left and right hand drive. You don't have to have the steering wheel just on the left hand. You can now buy this brand new C8 Corvette and right hand drive. And what does that mean? You can now interchange the power plants on the vehicle, which means they can turn this thing into a hybrid racer, to a green racer. They can go after every market in the genre, like the Corvette has in its entire history. So think about it. When you're sitting down, you're seeing that brand new 2020 Corvette C8 roll past you. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at the execs of Chevrolet who changed it from a front engine layout to a rear engine layout. No, don't be mad at them. Be glad. Be glad they changed it because they're not going to kill off the car. Dodge killed off the Viper because they didn't see too far into the future and say, hey, what happens if we have to put side curtain airbags on our vehicle? No, we'll never have to do that. It's a Viper. That'll never come out. And what killed it? Airbags. They couldn't meet new safety regulations. They couldn't redesign the car without peeing your interior space. Now it's gone. First generation died because it was being bought out. Second generation died because it was being bought out. Third generation died because they didn't look into the future. Thunderbird died out because it became a coupe. And when it came back, it became a horrible, discerning image of its past. Nobody wanted to see. I saw original concepts for that from Motor Trend Magazine way back in the late 90s. And when they were about to bring back the Thunderbird, the original images that they posted in that Motor Trend Magazine that I have shows tail fins from a 55, which would have made it a lot better than it was. So like I said, don't be mad at Chevrolet for changing to a mid-engine layout. They see the future in the Corvette brand. They see the future in this Corvette. They see the future in where it is coming and where it is going, where it needs to go and what it needs to compete against. Corvette is interchangeable with the climate around it, and it is doing that with the brand new C8 mid-engine layout. So in the end, Chevrolet wasn't trying to kill the Corvette. They were just trying to broaden its horizon and bring it more in line with the products it must compete against in the 21st century. And why? Why did this take so long? It took so long because Chevrolet needed to know they can make a profit at it. Back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, they had no competition where they needed to compete on that ground. Everybody was competing against everybody. There was markets galore. Sports cars were here, there, and everywhere. You could pick any genre and go against it. They just picked a genre that competed from the bottom end of it to the top end of it with a front engine layout. And now they compete against it in every genre. They compete against front engine cars. They compete against rear engine cars. They compete against mid-engine cars. With the new C8 Corvette, they compete against every genre of its marketplace. They go from the $40,000 sports car to the half a million dollar sports car. Chevrolet has become the Corvette of the future. And the 2020 Corvette is going to push the envelope and make it better. Make it to the future. Now, if we can only get the message across to Ford and Chrysler as well, those two might have a fighting chance against the future of the green automobiles. And unless hydrogen is going to take over every single thing, making it possible to do a front engine layout like the original Corvettes, then we must look at what we have to compete against. The Tesla Roadster is what most people are going to have to be competing against in the future. And companies like Koenigsegg, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Lotus, even McLaren know this. Porsche is already pushing the envelope and has already stated that the next 911 is going to be going green to compete against the marketplace that is green cars. So don't be mad it's changed. Be glad it evolved into what it needs to be to stay alive for the future. Had it stayed a front engine layout, the Corvette may not have lasted another generation. It's like the Mustang, unless the Mustang evolves into a green counterpart, very similar to a few like the Charge electric 60s styled Mustang. Unless it evolves into something like that, 
not, the Mustang won't make it either. The Chevrolet Camaro has already been proven that it won't make it in this marketplace because it cannot evolve into a green technology car. The Mustang, on the other hand, is going to be getting an electric counterpart, which is going to push the envelope so that it can push the envelope. Changing the envelope of the vet is going to make it so it can evolve with the envelope. So in closing, we have to look at the fact that Chevrolet has not killed the Corvette. The EV evolved the Corvette into what we need it to become to survive in the future demographics of the world, not just within the North American marketplace. The Corvette is now going to become a world traveling, world competing car, something no other North American sports car, muscle car, hell, anything other than the F-150 has ever done or the Jeep Wrangler worldwide. Why? Because the North American marketplace has never seen that the sports car touring car marketplace is much needed. Unfortunately, it seems that Chevrolet is the one that has seen the light of the day. We have to hand it to them. It's the greatest thing they can do for us. I'm Everett Jay from Autolux.net. Autopod bringing you what you need to know about the Corvette. Now, stay tuned to our Autopod in the future, and we're going to be posting more and more podcasts similar to this type on many different things. We'll be doing one on Honda. We're going to be doing one on the Beetle. We're going to be doing one on marketplaces. If you've not already read our original 10, we're going to be moving forward. This is Everett from Autopod. Keep listening to our Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, and listen to us on SoundCloud. www.autolux.net Autopod Everett J. Just want to say one last thing to you. The Corvette is one amazing car that has spanned a lifetime and it'll span a lifetime once more with the evolution. Everett J. Signing off from Autolux.net Strap yourself in for one wild ride from Autolux Autopod.